Just before we start this episode, wanted to remind you of the super, mega, ultra, phenomenal, game-changing prize. Yeah, the, the Mega Bonzar Finanza Extravaganza prize uh, we released last week. If you haven't heard of it, 48 books, our whole season yeah. two catalogue, today's books and the last six or whatever, how many books we've done so yeah. far in the season. Bang, all yours. Yeah, mate, we're not making it sound serious, but it is a serious, serious prize. All 48 <laughs> books that if you, even one of those could seriously change the trajectory yeah. of your life. You know, Seven Habits, Think and Grow Rich, Start With Why, uh, and all 45 others that we're going to do this season. Yeah. So there's three ways to enter. One is to fill out the survey at whatyouwillearn.com slash survey. Very short, and you go straight in into the prize. Yep, number two is you can write a review of our podcast and... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll easily find you yep. through iTunes. And number three is to buy a book or, yeah, buy a book, send us a, either a picture of the receipt or um, a picture of the book or something. And, yeah, you can enter three times if you want and have three times as much chance to win by doing all three. Yep, fucking get on it. Good shit. Uh, the other thing we want to uh, wish a big fan, uh, Karen Davies, she's off to Tony Robbins. Literally 12 months ago, we were there and she found our episode where we did a review and said she's going this year. So, yeah, yeah. yeah huge effort. It's going to definitely change her life. Tony Robbins is a, is a wild motherfucker and it's <laughs> seriously one of the best things, like, probably the best thing I've ever done. Yeah, and, mate, and another throwback to March, we interviewed Janine Ellis, Shark Tank, Boost Juice, author of The Accidental Entrepreneur. Uh, it was an interesting interview. It was, you can tell it was one of our earlier ones, but, mate, towards the end, I dropped an absolute bomb that nearly crashed the whole interview yeah <laughs> absolute wet balloon <laughs> it was such a clingy mate she was talking about yoga and i was like begging her to go and do a yoga <laughs> class with her because i lived down the road from her but anyway anyway we actually went and did a yoga class with today, her today yeah she was uh, launching she did a yoga class raising money for charity do you yep. remember the charity name uh share the dignity oh nice I didn't yeah know. uh yeah for lesser privileged women um, mate, so there was about 40 chicks and us two yeah. up the back. It was I, chicks. Know, I didn't know it was, it was chicks only. Yeah, it was chicks only. <laughs> and I only realised I'd drive into the actual yoga class, but yeah, chicks only. We're the only two fucking idiots in the back looking very out of place. But yeah, we gave it a crack. Yeah, we gave it a crack. I think Janine was happy to see us. Yeah. yeah. Good chick. Anyway, let's get into it. Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. Hello, hello. My name is Adam Jones. Today we're reviewing Finite and Infinite Games by James P. Cass. Now, mate, where did uh, you stumble across this one? This was a recommendation. Oh, yeah. This is from a, a mate, David Sokoloff. He recommended it. So. Very nice. And I think, this is actually, I think, in Dan Pink's top 10 books on his website. Yeah. I think. It's come up a few times. It's a few yeah. people's favorite book of all time. That's for sure. And there's some good stuff in here. Yeah, it's confusing. <laughs> mate, what was the comment you made to me? I think you said, I know it's good, I'm just not smart enough to get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I'm in the same, but I, yeah. I think this is the same as when I read Art of War and when I read some of Ralph Waldo Emerson stuff and this, I'm like, I know it's good, I just don't get it yet. Yeah. Maybe in 10 years, if I'm a bit smarter, I might get it's it. It's one of those things, I think, like, this time we read it, we probably understood, or me personally, I understood maybe 5 or 10%. Mm. And then probably the next time I read it, I'll probably understand a different 10% yeah, yeah. at a different time in life. <laughs> yeah, correct. Or he's just a confusing shit writer. <laughs> I think it's just real deep awesome. philosophical stuff that we're just, I'm not ready for, that's for sure. Yeah, it's extremely deep. <laughs> but no, there's some, there's some good stuff that we'll pick out, I think. There's some incredible, like, just good pages of writing, which are just... Yeah. Know, blew my mind a little bit. Yeah. And, yeah, just the confusion leading up to it. 
maybe added the impact. I'm not sure. <laughs> there was just a lot of confusion <laughs> the whole time reading it. Um, but, yeah, we've got to read between the lines a bit as well. Yeah, so no, it's, yeah. it's going to be a hard one to review, I think. I think we'll, we'll see we'll how try, we go. We'll, yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah. So basically he says there are two types of games. There's one that's finite and one that's infinite. So I guess as a bit of a description of a finite game, um, it's sort of everyone agrees on the rules. Uh, it ends when all the players agree who the winner is. There's a precise beginning. There's a definitive end. You can't play alone. There must be an opponent. Um, there's only one winner. You can't be forced to play. You must choose to play. Anything else in terms of definition of a finite game? Yeah, no, that's good. And then infinite game. There's no boundaries. There's be that temporal, spatial, numerical. Um, it's internally defined rather than externally defined. Uh, and so it's sort of, yeah, again, you have to choose to play. You can't be forced to play, but you sort of you make it up as you go along almost. Yeah. Okay? And then since each play of an infinite game eliminates boundaries, it opens the player to a new horizon of time, mm. it says. So, and finite games can be played within an infinite game, but an infinite game cannot be played within a finite game. Yep. I'm so the listeners are probably thinking, what the fuck <laughs> you want about? We'll, we'll get into that as well. He says, he says that finite games are played within boundaries, whereas infinite games play with boundaries. And so you're always testing the boundaries. You're always trying to take it to that next level because, because it's an infinite game, you never want it to end. So whenever it looks like ending, that's where you change the rules, test the boundaries and take on and go to that next horizon and, and open up the next phase of the game, I guess. Yeah. So we'll try and get into a bit of context here. So a finite game, he says, like, not everyone can be a corporation president or something. So yeah. a finite game might be someone who's choosing to be an engineer or a lawyer or something like that, whereas yep. an infinite game isn't necessarily choosing a role because you have like an infinite roles, mm. whereas a finite game is having a role and defined role and you're only playing under that role or under that banner. Yep. Yep, I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so as, as well as like at the... He says that for a finite game, a title is given at the end of play and then a name is given at the beginning of an infinite game. So it's sort of like, as you said, that you play the game, you're working in your role, you play the game, and by winning the game, by competing against your employees, winning the game, you get that title of you know, manager of whatever or president of whatever. Mm. And so that would be winning that finite game. Yep. And then with rules, so in, inside that game, so a finite player will play within these rules. So if they're playing, say, in a corporation and you know, mm. their, their goal or their finite game or the prize is to win that title, then they will do anything in, in that, the rules of that mm. game to get that title. Whereas yeah. an infinite player plays with rules. Yep, I like that. Changes things up. I like that. For a finite game, it's all about, as I said, it's all about winning. It's all about getting that title. And the most important part of getting the title is having the public acknowledgement yep. of winning the title. Yeah. Unreal, man. Yeah. Does that sort of make some sort of sense? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was part one. Yeah. So constant... So I've got quite a bit more in part one. So, yeah. So the constant attentive, attentiveness of finite players to the progress of the competition can lead them to believe that every move they make, they must make. So they're always looking at the competition. Mm. So again, in the context of like someone in a corporation trying to get a title, they're just looking... They think these actions are the only actions available to them because everyone else around them is doing it and all the competitors are doing everything in this finite game. So it touches on, mm. and I think this is why Dan Pink really loved the book, it touches on 
the idea of autonomy. Yeah. Like you don't, as a finite player, you really don't have autonomy. Yeah, that's some deep shit. He says that at the, at the very start, pretty much the definition of both types of games is that you can't be forced to play, you have to choose to play, but within the finite game, because of that fixed a lack of freedom and autonomy, they yep. feel like they're forced to make certain moves. Yeah. And they feel like that's what they're forced to play. And so in the finite game, you, you're playing a role. You're not really being mm. an infinite player, which is like, I guess, more mm. a bit on authenticity. So like what he says, the issue with a finite game is the issue whether we are willing to drop the veil and acknowledge it is, uh, if only to ourselves, that we have freely chosen to face the world through a mask. Mm. So you're, mm. you're putting this mask on of a finite play, trying to be, mm. um, yeah, an actor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mate, no, is that me reading between the lines? Or no, I, no, that's, literal? I don't know if it is uh, reading between the lines or that's what he's saying, but either way, it's fucking good shit. But for, yeah, <laughs> for me, that was shit. actually the, the, one of my favourite parts of the book, just yeah. that idea, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, I'd agree with that. Any more on part one? Yeah, just just let me catch up. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Um, he talks about surprises as well a little bit. Yeah. He says in a finite game, the best way to win is to surprise your opponent, do something that they're not expecting, um, and that's why whoever's like sort of leading the way likes to control the game to um, reduce or prevent those sort of surprises, and that's how the players try to control the future. Yep. Whereas in an infinite game, you expect surprises because that's the whole point is to have constant innovation, constant surprises. Yep. That's right. And another thing about is another thing touches on a little bit is vulnerability. So because final players are always putting this act on to be on the role, uh, play the role player, they, they can't be vulnerable. Whereas infinite players prepare themselves to be surprised by the future and are playing this game of life in complete openness and they're not attached to an outcome. So they have a, a some kind of mm. vulnerability and exposing one's changing identity mm. and exposing one to ceaseless growth, it says, and and to be the dynamic self that is yet to be. That sounds like some serious deep shit. That's some it? deep shit, That's man. some good... That's like you, uh, some of the Buddhist books we've done, you know, don't, not becoming attached to an outcome Yeah. as well, yeah. So, yeah, you know, I like that. Mm. Right. I'm going to have to listen back to that one as well. Yeah, it's... There's a lot of here. And then there's, uh, it also goes into to power and strength. So yeah. with with finite players, they're playing for power. And power is like, how much resistance can I have uh, relative to others? Mm-hmm. So for finite games, they're, they're uh, contending to power, and which is for a small selected number of persons. Whereas an infinite player, it's all about strength. And this is paradoxical because it says oh, I'm not strong because I can force others to do what I wish which is power mm-hmm. because I can allow them to do what they wish in the course of my play with them that also sounds deep as well yeah I like that I'm going to blur the lines between that and chapter 2 which talks a little bit about power as well but he's yep. saying that you don't win uh, by power you win to be powerful does that make sense so in that having the of a finite game having that title then makes you powerful mm. so you don't win through your power, but then if you become the, you know, the president of whatever, that in itself, that title makes you powerful. Yeah. And he says the law is um, only powerful because people obey it. The law itself means nothing until people obey it and enforce it. Mm. Mate, love it. Good cheese yeah. somewhere on the chat studio. <laughs> um, have you got anything else from, from part one? Uh, 
Hala. <laughs> Part two, we talked a bit. I talked. Uh, sorry, I liked a lot. Um, first of all, he, he talks about you can't play alone. Uh, you can't be a, a, a self without a community. So he talked a little about about society, culture. But I liked a, a lot. He talked about property, which I thought was really cool. Was he talking well. about when it was, was property like the literal property is in a house, or is it more like stuff uh, your own? Or? Yeah, I think yeah. Stuff your own. I think stuff you own. Yeah. Yeah, yeah stuff you own. Uh, basically, he's saying... <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, he right. says that property is sort of the, the compensation for the difficulty it took to obtain it. So by you winning property after a, a finite game, that's because, you know, the sacrifices and the difficulty you went through of the game to win it, that's your compensation. You get the property at the end. Mm. Yeah. Love it. How, says, does, yeah. how does Infinite deal with that? Oh, t- <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> he says that. Um, so, for property to be worth the the game that you played, and the value, I guess, of the property, the value of what is gained, has to be greater than what you expended. That makes sense. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, totally. And he says that if so, this is, I think, where maybe it's infinite. I don't know. I think. But- <laughs> well, he goes into the, the the idea of wealth, and this may be where mm. it touches on for infinite. He says wealth is not. So much possessed as it is performed. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is where he's saying that you know you got to draw attention to your wealth because he's saying the wealth is showing that you've sacrificed all this time and energy and effort in order to gain it. And so if you've got all this property without uh, this theatrical display of wealth, then he's saying that you're just a fucking dog because <laughs> you've you've beaten everyone and got this wealth, but now you're doing nothing with it. So he's saying that you've got to justify owning it by consuming it. Mm. Does that make sense? A little bit. Yeah. So he's saying that that act of consuming it, in a way, recovers for the loss. Yeah. And this is where... Okay. So then he also ties into saying that if you've got too much wealth, that's where theft and tax come in to try and even it out. Yeah. So he's saying that if, it, if anyone's got too much money, then they start taxing them and give to the people who've got less money. Which is good. Or property. I don't know. That's just what it happens. It's not good if you're rich. I don't know if he's passing judgment <laughs> yeah. or not. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, but you, you, you're doing well because you're not using his words. I don't really say it through his words. But yeah, again, this chapter goes into to, uh, boundaries. Mm. And so he talks about the difference between a society which is finite and culture which is infinite. Yeah, so I like this bit. Every move a finite player makes is within a boundary yep. or toward a boundary, whereas... An infinite player, it's every move the person makes is toward a horizon. And when an yeah. infinite player moves toward that horizon, the horizon expands and, and new options and new possibilities come out within the state of play. Whereas, an in, yeah. whereas say, use the context again of the working in a corporation, yeah. it's all finite. Every every move you make is within these, these rules and you're not going to be able to have new possibilities in play. Just because yep. you're you're stuck in this one yeah, fucking sick. yeah. I think we're back on track now. We're back on. <laughs> I think we lost the audience for a bit, but we're back. Yeah. Uh, and if anyone hasn't worked out yet, you want to be an infinite player, not mm. a finite player. And so I like that bit of the boundary. So a boundary is like an opposing force. It's where two uh, opposing hostile forces meet. It's resistance. It's what keeps you contained. Whereas, as you said, horizon. It's the vision. It's the point beyond which you cannot see. Uh, it's limited by incompleteness. It's not attainable. And as you said, you can never get there because every time you move towards a horizon, the horizon shifts mm. further on. 
So you don't want to be just playing within the boundaries. You want to be always moving towards the horizon, which you can never get to. Always constantly growing. Mate, that's phenomenal stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah. Uh, you got in chapter chapter three, Tom? The last thing he yeah. said from there was just saying that, and he used an example of, I think, Alexander the Great, that he's saying that, you know, if your identity is based on you always winning finite games, then he says you completely, I guess, break down and self-destruct when you get to the point where there's no more games. Mm-hmm. So he's sort of like saying that if you're always playing finite games, and again, I guess we'll try and relate it to the corporate ladder, if your game is to always win the game, get the next title, move to the next level, when you get to the top, you lose all sense of identity because there's no more competitors. There's no one else to fight. Yeah. And if your whole identity is based on fighting and winning finite games, when you get to the top, what do you do? Yeah, you're lost. It was a rhetorical question, so yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. You can't do anything. Mate. Mate, <laughs> okay, now. It gets weird, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so the book gets weird. takes a fucking sick twist. Yeah, <laughs> mate, I'll, I'll let you cover this sick mate. shit. <laughs> you got a sick mind. He starts talking some real superior man, deep yeah. sexual sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> some odd, odd stuff. <laughs> so when, when I started reading this, I was like, fuck, this is going I'll let you expand, but it says. Infinite players do not play with sexual <laughs> boundaries, but they pl- but with sexual boundaries. <laughs> Basically, saying you don't want to just be refined to the finite games of regular sex. You want to push the boundaries. How much boundaries are there with sex? <laughs> oh, mate, just saying earlier, like there's only you know so many things you can do in sex, isn't it? Well, but mate, he reckons you got to keep trying. What does he say about porn? Uh, hang on, sorry, I think it's the next bit. Oh, I it. Yeah, he was saying that porn is only good because it's wild shit that yeah. you wouldn't do otherwise. And he said that uh, pornography is only exciting because it reveals something forbidden, something otherwise unforeseeable. And that's why he says that it's mandatory to have hostility, shock, and violence. <laughs> <laughs> Mate. He watches some odd porn, I reckon. He watches some crazy porn. <laughs> And yeah, what else? He says some a few other really odd things. Yeah, mate. He, I, there was some stuff I didn't get. He says it was sort of things like no one conceives a child. A child is just conceived by the conjunction of sperm and ovum, and then the mother does not give birth to the child. The mother is just where the birth occurs. It's just yeah. So again, some deep stuff that I, I sort of missed. Yeah, a little bit. Clearly understand. I sort of like that he there was okay. There was we'll get back to the sex in a sec. I'll just I'll come back to one other thing. He talks about disease and illness. So he says that illness itself isn't the illness, but what it removes from your possibility, sort of. So he's saying that uh, getting cancer doesn't make you ill. You're ill because you can't do things because of the cancer. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah. So he's sort of like saying, and the example he uses here, we don't get really upset because if we flap our arms, we're too heavy to fly. But we don't worry about that too much because... Wanting to fly isn't something that we think we can attain. But he's saying if you want to be a jockey and you're too heavy to be a jockey or a fashion model, that's when that becomes an illness, being too heavy. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Good shit, man. Yeah. Mate, the other thing he talks about as well is that infants want to root their mum. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was trying to get out. Mate, he was saying that everyone knows it as well. And everyone knows. I don't know it. Mate, he says, because he talks about, I think it's called Oedipus, the uh, Greek mythology where he kills his dad and then roots his mum. Yeah. Um, so he's saying that, yeah, all, that infants, we to, so all we... infants want to compete with their father for their mother. Yeah. 
Is that <laughs> daughters Pain as work. well? Or is it daughter after the, the dad? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, this is getting weird. <laughs> Let's go to chapter four. Mate, yeah, this is some weird to, shit. Yeah. Okay, I go. <laughs> no, no, chapter three was uh, where I... Is there more I just, weirdness? I was reading it and I was... I wasn't sure where it was going, how the games tie into it anymore. I mean, he's just, he's not talking about games He's letting anymore, his own man. sick mind just be, just release. Yeah, oh, mate, mate we, you done stuff. with the weird shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's mate. more weird shit on it coming. Yeah, there's, there's more weird. Part four, he talks about worlds, which I didn't understand. Yeah. So, yeah, again, I'm, so he says a lot about time. So, uh, late in the game, mm, time. time is being consumed really rapidly. So... And later in the game, errors are more disastrous. So we look mm. back at youth uh, as oh, the times of our lives because we have so many possibilities as a finite player. Because as you move through, all the possibilities seem to close in and time's mm. making shooting rapidly and, and the moves you can make decrease a lot. That's sick. I miss that bit, so keep going. Yeah. So, yeah. So for the finite player, freedom is a function of time. So as we get older, we lose freedom. Mm. <clears throat> but for the infinite player, time does not really pass because each moment is a new beginning so mm. each moment and because you're moving toward the horizon there's all these new possibilities opening up so you're not losing so time isn't a function of your freedom or vice versa yeah sick yeah i love it yeah. the only bit i like from here is saying that in the finite world victories occur at a certain point in time but the titles you win are timeless so the titles never age or die and that's why you can always say you know, back when I was 14, I won nine national gold medals for swimming. That's, that's my titles. Is it? You yeah. Got it? <laughs> yeah. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. Good on you, man. Well done. Let's see, mate. I won the victories at the time, but that title's timeless. Yeah. But, mate, I'm stuck in How the final. How old I think I like 13 or 14. So you're just living off that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm stuck in the finite <laughs> world, mate. I'm stuck in the finite. I need to get to the infinite side. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Next part. So, mate, <laughs> chapter five. In, so, we chapter five, nature is the realm of the unspeakable. Just that, it kind of points out in here, we experience the unspeakability of nature at its utter indifference to human culture. Yeah. So just you saying that nature's always there. It doesn't matter if we're here or not. Nature doesn't nature's give a fuck. Nature's nature. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. really give a fuck about it, humans. It's not happy that we're here. It's not pissed off that we're here. It just, it's just here. And this moves a bit into chapter six as well. So the contradiction in our relation to nature is that the more we attempt to force its agreement with our own designs, the more subject we are to its indifference. Mm. And the more vulnerable we are to its unseen forces. I love it. Mate, I actually really liked part six. Aside from the first bit and then the sex bit I liked as well, obviously. <laughs> but I liked, I liked part six where he talks about the machine versus the garden. And so the machine is sort of, you know, the way of saying, you know, technology or the machine. He's saying it's these calculatable cause and effect sequences. So you uh, do something, something happens. Where he just says the garden or nature or whatever else it is, is just growth, maximized spontaneity in that the machine, you have to put effort in for the result to happen. Whereas the garden, the energy comes from within. Yeah. And so if we're, and the example he uses machine gardening sort of. So if you try to, you're not trying to force the spontaneity of the garden to grow. You're just allowing it to, to be spontaneous and harnessing that spontaneity. Does that, <laughs> does that sort of make sense? Like you also, I like this is where also when was this book written? I don't know. I'll have to check. But anyway, so he's saying that using machine to control something means that we actually end up being controlled by that machine. 
And so I think this is coming ah. true as well. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. yeah. So he said he says that um, machines don't uh, sort of make us. Uh, uh, machines don't make us machines, but we ourselves turn into machines by using the machine. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so he's saying by using it, we just become robotic, and then we treat other people like machines because they're using machines as well. Mate, yeah, that t- yeah makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he also says that we buy fancy machines, not because we feel we need it, but because everyone else is buying fancy machines as well. Right. Yeah, spot on. <laughs> I'm yeah. not sure how it ties into not games, but yeah, the, the machines always turn against us in the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what he says. But yeah, yeah. no, it does, it does. The book does go like that. It goes finite mm. and infinite, and then it just goes on this random <laughs> tangent. Yeah, complete tangent, and you don't know what it's got to do with anything. But it's probably got something to do with mm. something. Yeah, I think he. Yeah, I think you're saying another thing he says you can never reach a goal until you get rid of the machine. So if you use a machine to dig a hole, the hole's not there until the machine's out of the hole and you don't use the machine anymore. Mm. Does that sort of make sense? Oh. If the machine's in the hole, you don't have a hole. Mate, my brain's like just, <laughs> just spinning. I don't know. <laughs> you're talking about traveling cars and stuff, but yeah. it might be too far. Yeah. There's some good shit, but it might be too Mate, far. you got any more in there? The last thing I want to say on part seven was about myths and storytelling. I didn't. I didn't have too much, but he says that any storytellers don't convert their listeners. They just offer a vision and then it's up to you. Again, back to that autonomy, you to choose if yeah. if you want to listen to their story or not. Mate, that's it. Did anyone understand anything of what we said? Or Mate, did I, we... Don't know. I don't know. I don't think we understand <laughs> what we're saying. But there's some, yeah, there's some really cool stuff. I like the, the idea of, uh, you know, mm. in a finite game, choosing... If you if you choose to play a finite game, you're, you're playing within rules and mm. and there's That's really good. no possibilities coming down the track. Yep. Whereas if you play an infinite game, you're always moving toward horizon and new possibilities are opening with every move you make. Yeah, so I like that. Just be, uh, I guess it helps it's you be more self aware with some of your choices you're making. That's sick. Yeah. I think you're right. I think we need to reread this in about 20 years because I'm not smart enough right now to get it. Yeah, totally, man. I've got yeah about <laughs> you know. But anyway, we we did our best. And I think <laughs> I think we unpacked everything we learned from it. So yeah, be, a, be an infinite player. Don't be a finite player. Basically, if you understand what that is. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was first published in 1986. Oh wow, it's 1986. Not yeah, yeah, cool. So, mate, that's it. Let's have a finite song. It's finite. The song of the fine. We're playing games. Finite and infinite games. I said we're playing games. I said we're playing games. We're playing games. There's finite games, infinite games. There's rules, boundaries, boundaries. Push the motherfucking horizon. It's infinite, baby. You must play. If you must play, then you can't play. You have to choose to play. Choose to play autonomy. Have a surprise in your life. Move to the horizon. More possibilities. More possibilities. If you're an infant, then you want to kill your dad and root your mom. Because oh, yeah. my name's Jane P. Carson, and I love pussy. He loves the pussy. He loves the pussy on a Friday night with his wine and his pussy and a wine and a red wine. Pussy and a mom and a mom. Pussy.